Welcome to the Gold Standard. The regular season is here for you Nashville Predators fans. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And my name is Michael Gallagher. I'm a sports reporter for the Nashville Post and the Nashville Scene, and you can follow me on Twitter at NGSports underscore. Super fun show. Lots of really interesting topics and content. As the season is here, the Nashville Predators and the San Jose Sharks are not. They are in Europe, so we'll get to that. We have lots of interesting announcements on the show. We're going to do that first here. We got bold predictions coming up for what we think is going to happen. Uh, we've got Central Division preview and, and of, of course, our official predictions, Michael, because that's what you have to do in sports. You have to make predictions. And so we've got it. We'll give you what we think is going to happen in the Central Division. A couple of thoughts on each team around the Nashville Predators. Some interesting starting lineup decisions that we think we figured out. Maybe some we haven't figured out yet with John Hines and the way he's thinking. We'll obviously learn a lot this weekend as they play two against San Jose and Prague, which is really cool. So we'll get to that. And again, uh, some bold predictions and all kinds of fun stuff on the show today. Again, some announcements coming up here at the beginning of the pod to get everybody started. I just, are you excited about hockey being here, Michael? Like I'm, I'm, I feel like we've had this really crazy off season. There was lots of drama. It feels like this team is in a better place and I'm kind of just like, I know they're in Europe, but like, I'm excited. There's a hockey season. It's fun. It's here folks. Yeah, I mean, as fun as covering the Titans is for me, like when hockey season starts, that's like my Christmas. Hockey is my favorite sport. Covering the Predators is never short of storylines and parody and fun stuff going on. So I'm I'm very excited. I'm also, my favorite time of the year is when hoodie weather officially starts and that <laughs> coincides with hockey season. So this is, this is probably my favorite time of the year and it has nothing to do with pumpkin spice lattes or fall candles or any of that basic white girl stuff. Oh, I love that. First of all, taking shots right out of the gate i love it this is this is the this is in season michael gallagher this is what i want this is what i want i want that i, I bring the heat uh and and i want you to be extra every single episode no it's going to be a ton of fun and again we've got some announcements here lots of stuff on the show today lots of things to discuss for you national predators fans as hockey is here however before we do that the gold standard of course partnered with the nashville scene and the nashville post is brought to you by jaspers on west end there you go. Parking is free. Listen, the beer and burger special. We've told you about it for years now. I almost don't remember how many seasons we've been doing this show. I know we launched in September of 2020, but I'm not sure how many seasons that is because I, all the seasons started weird. This is our first. I feel like this well, is the just COVID our... season was like four seasons in one. So <laughs> I know, um, which which sort of ended right around the time that we launched the show. And then, then we had the short season that started real quickly after that. And then we've had a couple of regular ones. Um, and this one's even weird because, of course, it's starting in Europe. But you know what doesn't change through all of that? Jasper's commitment to you Nashville Predators fans. Okay? They have a $10 smash burger, which you've enjoyed. That's I've also of approval. I've also enjoyed it. Um, you, can get a, you can get beers for $3, smash burger for 10 during home and road Preds games. I assume this weekend's games count as road games, uh, even no matter which sweater they're wearing. But but it doesn't matter. You park for free. You go to Jasper's. They've got the grab-and-go market, the free game room, the air hockey table. They have a spectacular menu. It is the next evolution of the sports bar. And here's the here's the other thing. Not only do they love you Preds fans and give you great specials, but they are committed as a local company to local Nashvillians. Like that, You should support local business. You should go eat at local restaurants. You should use local businesses for as much stuff as possible. And for Top Hospitality... Uh, they've been in the market for decades. This is Amerigo, Etch, et cetera, Char. But Jasper's has been committed to bringing you high-quality food, locally owned. Uh, just go check them out. And, of course, Weiss Liquors, also locally owned for almost 100 years in Nashville. Uber Eats, Weiss Liquors, the booze right to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes. Go talk to Andrew. they got a great bourbon selection. So if you're going to watch the game at home on a 1 o'clock on a Friday <laughs> – and you want some booze sent to your house at one o'clock on a Friday and you want to get started early, check out Weiss Liquors on Uber Eats. They've got a great bourbon selection. And uh, check out my man, Andrew, the uh, manager over there. Very approachable. He'll help you out with some wine selections for the misses and all that great stuff. So that's out of the incredibly lazy. You could also Uber Eats some Jasper's food with your Weiss Liquors alcohol. Now we're talking. There you go. Now we're talking. So get the burger. Although if you go in, you get it for $10 during the game. So it's... It, you're going to pay a different price, I imagine, through Uber Eats. But yeah. uh, but I think it's a pretty good plan. Like, bring some Jasper's food and then some Weiss booze. Have yourself a an early afternoon <laughs> siesta. 
I, I almost considered ordering the fajita bar and having it delivered to my house for the global series games and having like a bunch of friends over. I was going to say that's for like eight to 12 people. You have, you, you're going to do it all by no, yourself. Not for myself, <laughs> not for myself. But I know, I know plenty of hockey fans and a couple of Reds fans and stuff. And I was like, that's, that's a good excuse to order a fajita bar from Jasper's. All right. So lots of stuff to do on the show. Go check out Jasper's, go check out Weiss Liquors, support local business, everybody. Okay. Um, all right. So a lot of stuff to do on the show today. We're going to preview the Central Division, give you our predictions, talk about each team. Where do the Preds stand from a Vegas odds standpoint? We've got some starting lineup conversations to get to, some bold predictions. We'll look ahead at the, the two games with the Sharks and Prague. Um, but we have a couple of quick, short, kind of small announcements here. Uh, you guys on It's All Your Fault every single Monday from the Nashville scene to the Nashville Post featuring Michael Gallagher and now featuring new host, officially announced, Jeremy K. Gover on the yes. show glad to hear it i already heard him making some silly bold predictions on the show which i think was great um obviously obviously you know hate to see megan go but having jeremy step in I've, I've known him for i don't know like eight years now he's one of the best and uh, i think you guys are going to do a great show so make sure you check out it's all your fault every single monday featuring jeremy k go over the k stands for knowledge this is where you sell him as a as a co-host Oh, I thought you were. I thought we were taking a break or something. You celebrate him. You celebrate yeah, no, Jeremy no. K. Gover. <laughs> no, Gover's great. He, uh, like I said on "It's All Your Fault" yesterday, like one He's speechless. The, why one hundred two five the game does not use him more on air just baffles me. The guy knows the team better than anyone else in the market. He's been around the team for over a decade now. Like, I, I, it's it, it just it's bewildering that he was even available to do this and like i said it, it's hard to replace megan with her personality and and how much she knows about hockey you know just her the the fan perspective she brings like she she's very well rounded as a host and it was going to be hard to replace her but gover is probably the closest thing to a home run that we could have hit with just his knowledge being around the team how much he's covered the team he has personal relationships with some of the players and, the, and john hines and stuff like that so i'm i'm very excited to have gover aboard well, and the hardest part of replacing Megan um, is just the fun, lightheartedness that she brings to the table. And I think Jeremy, Jeremy does a wonderful job of that. Um, I mean, listen, I've never questioned any decisions that 1025 The Game has ever made. That's not something I've ever done. Uh, but I tend to agree with you uh, about uh, using Jeremy K. Gover. But he's ours now, so you can't have him. So yeah. there you go. Check it out. It's all your fault. We got some other cool news for everybody. Uh, if you were reading the Nashville scene this week, you probably saw an article about disillusioned fans <laughs> from Adam Vingan on the Nashville scene. So you're going to catch him doing some freelance stuff. But here's the cool news, because <laughs> Gover's out next week and I'm out next week. <laughs> we picked a great time to listen. I blame Met Met Nashville Metro schools on this one. OK, like this is my first ever fall break. I've got a kindergartner now. And so they're off next week. So we, this is my first fall vacation. It sucks that it happens right after the two games. But here's the good news. Adam Vingan is going to be a regular contributor on the gold standard podcast. And maybe even it's all your fault throughout the course of the entire season. He is working at sport logic. Go check out the lane stream sports episode from last week. He is going to be our data analytics, national correspondent on the show. So you're going to hear from him frequently throughout the season. Every couple of weeks, we're going to dive into some stats and some analytics with Adam because he now has access to all of SportLogic's information as an employee of the company. He's going to be doing some stuff for NHL Network. So Adam kind of, you know, dipping the toe back into the Nashville Predators water a little bit, writing for the scene in the post, and he's going to be doing some stuff for us here on the Gold Standard. Uh, and you will he hear... Have a son. I can only imagine how much of his time would be spent just on SportLogic's website. I know. All the numbers. <laughs> go listen. Again, go listen to the episode where he just... Like he starts talking about like cross pass entry zone percentage win rates. And you're like, oh, my God, dude. So he loves that stuff. It's He's, amazing that there's a site that tracks that stuff. <laughs> I, well, and we even talked about that in that conversation. Like that can't be a human being watching a piece of tape. Like it has to be a computer generated track system of some yeah, sort. Because so. <laughs> otherwise that job doesn't pay enough. Yeah. Um, Go read so, his story in the scene, too. It was, it's really good talking about just predators fans expectations and he had a line in there that cracked me up when i was when i was copy editing it i was reading it and it said something about daryl Sutter was talking about uh, whoever <laughs> whoever drew the the avalanche should be a waste of eight of eight games and he was like well the predators proved him wrong they only wasted seven days yeah yeah it was a it was a waste of a week that there's there that is true and we will that's how we're going to start eventually but i got to finish all the announcements here so adam uh going to be a part of the gold standard a little bit more often, you know, you're going to hear him every couple of episodes. It's not all the time, but when, when we see that there's a big story 
especially if the Preds are on a heater or if they're on a cold streak or if a player's doing something really interesting, good or bad, if something's going up or going wrong or they acquire a piece, whatever, we want to be able to have someone with that kind of data access to give us some insight. So I think really adding value, again, to the Preds coverage. And again, I know there's been a lot of talk about the Preds beat and Preds coverage and all this stuff, but if you are listening to It's All Your Fault and the Gold Standard Podcast and you are reading the Nashville scene in the Nashville Post, you are getting written content two episodes a week I, I with Gover, yourself, Michael, me, now a little bit of Adam mixed in. Like I, I, I think we're doing a pretty damn good job covering the team. So stick with us yeah. this season. Give us a try. And make sure you tell somebody about all the great content that's coming out from both 440 and, and uh, the scene in the post. Yeah, I would I would just like to take a second to, I guess, advocate for myself here. I've been covering the Predators for the last eight years, since 20, 2015. If you're not following me on Twitter, I, I can't <laughs> help you. I'm sorry. I, I try to divert my attention equally between Titans and Preds during the regular season. It's hard when you are a reporter like myself and Teresa Walker and Rex Road that have to cover multiple beats, but I, I feel like I do a really good job of trying to provide daily content for Preds fans and not just the same cookie cutter bullshit you get from everywhere else. I feel like I do a great job of trying to provide insight and analysis and give you some stuff, original content that you can't go somewhere else and find. You have to go specifically to the post in the scene. So that is my plug. If you want great Predators content this season, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you're already off to a good start. Listen, to it's all your fault on Mondays. Go to the post. I, I have daily Preds coverage throughout the season there. And then during, you know, most of the season, we'll have some cross promotion with the scene. We don't do regular content there, but here. So we don't ask people, a lot of people to do a lot of things. We love that you guys have been with us for years now listening to this show. And we ask you, of course, to support local businesses, which is Jasper's and White's Liquors and all of our sponsors. And we appreciate that. But we, we are a local business at 440 Sports. You are a local business with the scene in the post. And here's the thing. If you're listening and you hear somebody bitching about coverage of the Preds, <laughs> tell them about the products. That is how exactly. we solve. That's how we grow this bad boy. That's how we get to do more cool stuff for you guys. We're going to try to be in the locker room more often now that we're actually allowed to go back in the locker room. So Gallagher's writing. You got Gover talking and blathering. You got me blathering on. There is lots of Preds content with what we're doing this season. It was all very intentional and it's all for you guys. So if you hear one of your fans, one of your friends complaining about lack of good coverage for the Preds, tell them about our products at the scene, the post and 440. And that's all we ask of you. Okay. Are we ready to make some NHL central division predictions? Let's do it. Okay. Cause I don't have a ton to say about the four, three win over SC burn on a large sheet of ice in <laughs> Switzerland. Uh, other than it was pretty cool to see, Nino Niederreiter and Roman Yossi be celebrated by their home fans. That's just a yeah. cool thing. Cool. The thing atmosphere there. was pretty cool. And I, I like the player intros where they the announcer announces their first name and then the fans chant the last name. That was pretty cool. It was it was very cool. Uh, there were some lineup things that we'll get to about the starting lineup and the roster that David Poyle and John Hines elected to take over to Europe. So we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. But let's just roll through the central division. We're going to get Michael. I want to get your predictions one through eight. You'll get mine. And we'll kind of work through what we expect some of these teams to look like. This will not be Nashville Predators heavy. We'll do a lot of that on the on the second half of the show. But just from an odd standpoint, here's what Vegas says. And I want to know if you agree with this. Colorado minus 150 to win the division. They are number one in the Western Conference to win the conference at plus 190. They are number one in the NHL to win the Stanley Cup at plus 380. They That's have lost right. they've lost a lot of pieces. So we'll get to that. Minnesota plus 330. At number two in the division, huge drop to Nashville at number three, plus 1,000 to win the division. Dallas at plus 1,100. St. Louis at number five, plus 1,200. So essentially, Vegas is viewing Nashville, Dallas, and St. Louis all pretty tightly packed there. Winnipeg at sixth, plus 3,500. And then <laughs> all the way down to Arizona and Chicago at plus 50,000 to win the wow. division. That is a so large jump. So while, so while it is a very difficult, very top-heavy, very talented and deep division, like it was last year, there should be two teams you have to get automatic Ws against. And I guess we can start there. First of all, do you disagree with the order? Uh, like When you do your predictions here in a second, are they going to be in that order, do you think? They are not. I, I disagree yeah. with Colorado at the top, but I, I'm surprised that St. Louis is, low, as, is as low as, it, as they are. I, I tend to agree with that as well. Uh, Arizona and Chicago 
there's not a lot to talk about here. Arizona, we know what their plan is. We know what they're doing. So we can kind of touch on these two first. I don't know. I, honestly, I don't care which one finishes seventh and eighth, but like, I, I guess I would pick Arizona seventh because they're further along in their their quitting process. <laughs> then, I, I personally care who finishes seventh and eighth because I do not want to see Connor Bedard on the Chicago Blackhawks roster. Ah, uh, okay. So here's my, so here's the, what I'm, and here's what you need to know about these two teams. So I agree with that. I think Preds fans agree with that as well. The biggest story with these two teams to me is Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves being on the trade block midway through the season. Yeah. Because, we, because we know Chicago's in rebuild mode. Arizona's sort of already done this, which is why I think Arizona could actually be on the upswing, relatively speaking, compared to Chicago. And Chicago wants to the number one pick. But I, I, how weird is it going to be when you wake up at the deadline and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are, have been traded? I think that's the key storyline with Chicago. Yeah, and how how crazy would it be if they went to the Predators or another Central Division team that's making a playoff push? But I do think that's something to watch for. And I think Mark Lazarus with The Athletic had a great story over the summer where he had a, an interview with, um, I think it was Jonathan Taves, and they talked about that. And, and Taves was like, look, we were very much made aware that this was going to be a, a teardown rebuild situation, and he wanted to stay. I think that says a lot about uh, I think this is a lot about his integrity and his character. Um, say what you want about Patrick Kane. I'm not the biggest fan of him because of personal stuff off the ice. I've read differing accounts on, on what happened with him, but um, I do think no, Jonathan, he's kind of an ass. Yeah. And he just has <laughs> especially, that, especially has, growing up in the youth leagues. There's lots of stories about him and his family. Yeah. He so. just has that kind of persona. When you meet him, you shake his hand and you're like, hi, I'm so-and-so. And he says, hi, I'm Patrick Kane. You just be like, wow, this guy's a dick. You just you get, <laughs> wait, wait, you got that in like three words. <laughs> yeah. When I, when I first met him, I interviewed him and I was like, hi, I'm Michael Gallagher. I think I was with on the four check at the time. And, and, he was like, hi, I'm Patrick. And I asked him a question the whole time he's staring at me. I just got that vibe. Like he does not want to be talking to me. He thinks he's better than me. Like that's just, that's what I got from him. But he's, be he's better at hockey than you. I mean, that's oh, for, sure. for sure. I can't even so, ice skate. So no argument here. So what happened? So here's my question about Kane. Cause like, man, if you want, like when he, when he wears a USA sweater at the Olympics, I find myself falling into the, like falling into like the God geez look at that skill like look at the talent like yeah. every time he does it in a blackhawk sweater i'm just like what an asshole and then but he does it in a usa sweater and i kind of find myself going like you know i get it i get it i understand the talent and the skills off the charts there's a reason he's got three rings like i get all of it i don't know how it would go over though if if we can't if when i say we if the preds can't solve their top six situation which we, we think they have but maybe they haven't let's just say hypothetically they want more scoring boost. And they have some package to get Patrick Kane. And they have the cap space to get Patrick <laughs> Kane. I'm not saying any of this is possible. I, I, just, I just want to know what Predators fans would do if Patrick Kane was wearing a gold sweater at Bridgestone Arena. I just, I, I don't I, know I how they you, would react. I can tell you how that would go. There, were, it would, there would be two types of fans that would react two different ways. You would get the casual fans or the new fans that have joined the team in the last couple of years, that would be excited because they Patrick Kane is a household name. He's that Sidney Crosby of Genny Malkin type name that they know as a superstar and a goal scorer. They would be excited. You would get the day one fans, the diehard fans, the season ticket holders that would react the same way that it would, that they reacted yesterday when the post broke the story that Barstool Sports was opening a bar in downtown Nashville, that they were, that. they, they hate it. They don't want any part of it that they, <laughs> they will stand outside with their pitchforks and they will ride outside Bridgestone Arena. There will be two reactions if that were to happen. You would have the season ticket holders that would react accordingly. And you have the new casual fans that would be all for it because Patrick Kane has that that big household name. What what? So I, I tend to agree with that. Also, is that the old Joe's Crab Shack? I believe right. It is. is it, yeah. And good good work by the post there on that story. Um, God, we I I think I've been into Joe's Crab Shack twice in twenty five years. Uh, go to Jasper's, everybody. Uh, I think what's 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 interesting though, because I think you're right at the beginning. But if all of a sudden he plays twenty six games and he's got you know nineteen goals. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could see him winning over some of the people that hate him if he's scoring and the team's winning and they look like a legit cup contender. But I still think there's going to be I, – I don't know how you would want to describe these people. I like to think of them as having a strong moral compass that they <laughs> – no matter what – no matter how many goals he scores, they just yeah, don't yeah. like him. They don't want him on the team. We saw the same thing with Mike Ribeiro. Mike Ribeiro put up like 60-something points with all those assists that one year, and he was 
really good on the ice, but because of his past and his history, people still hated him and people still just were counting on the days until he was gone. Yeah. Kane's got some, uh, some Ribeiro vibes for sure. There's, there's He's no, definitely there's, got some of the same baggage. Yeah. There's no questions about that uh, or no question about that. So Kyle, let's go back to the, so anything else about Arizona has got like eight first and second round draft picks in their farm system. Who knows if any of them are going to play? Like, I, I, I don't know what you make of Arizona. Here's the point. The Preds need to take as many points as possible. If they want to compete in the division, make the playoffs and be a two or three seed and not a wild card, they have to take as many points as possible from Arizona and Chicago this year, full stop. Yeah, and those are the teams that they traditionally have issues with, especially Arizona, because the Predators, they they play down to their competition. And those are two of the teams that take advantage of that because they know that's what the Predators do. And a lot of times they pull out wins, winning games that they have no business winning. Well, and it cost them it cost, it cost them those that, that waste of eight days last year, right? With yeah. the the goal. Now they have dominated Chicago since the pandemic. They, they have dominated Chicago uh, in the regular season the last couple of years. So they they have not not, not had as many problems with with uh, the Red Army from Chi Town. Uh, let's go back to Colorado at number one. You have Colorado at one. I've got Colorado at one. I assume. Here's the thing, though. If yeah. you look at if you look at the list, and and uh, obviously we'll talk about Kiefer Sherwood here in a little bit because he. He being out uh, or he being on the Preds, you know, coming from Colorado. Here's the interesting thing, though. When you look at Colorado and you go Darcy Kemper, Nazem Kadri, Burakovsky, Sturm, Sherwood, like there. And oh, by the way, Landeskog, their captain, is not fully healthy right now. Yeah, I, I, I don't think this team is as good. I mean, they were 56 wins last year. I, they won the Stanley Cup. It was sort of a building up until the they finally kind of broke through and did it. It was pretty logical the 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 growth of the franchise. I still I I think they're the favorite. I think Vegas has him weighted appropriately, but I think they're more beatable this year by a by a pretty hefty chunk. Am I wrong about that, or is that just wishful thinking? I, I agree with most of that. I don't think they're beatable by a hefty chunk. I do think they're more beatable than they were last year. I mean, losing Kadri and his eighty nine points and Burakovsky and his sixty one points, like the offense isn't going to be as good. Darcy Kemper had 37 wins. I think his save percentage was in the 920s. Like he, he was he was a really good goaltender for a lot of last year. I, I do think that they are, have taken a step back, but I still think that they're the class of the Central Division. It's going to be tough for pretty much everyone to to catch up to to where Colorado is because, and I have this in my notes here too. All the teams in the Central Division that I consider contenders, you know, the Predators, Stars, Blues, Wild, Avalanche. Except for the Predators, they all have lost a significant piece or multiple significant pieces from their, their roster last year. The Predators lost Luke Cunning and Nick Cousins, and you can argue that was addition by subtraction. Those are those but, are significant pieces, Michael. I don't care what yes, you say. Luke Cunning is 22 points in the top six. That is a detrimental loss. But, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you look at the Avalanche, I, I do think that they kept Val Nachushkin. They still have McKinnon and Rantanen and Landeskog. And and Kale McCarr and who knows what the hell he's going to do. He could be he could have a Roman Yossi season type season next year. Dude, their um, defense, their defense is so disgusting. Devonte, Sam Gerrard, like they're still loaded pretty yeah. much everywhere. Do I think they'll have 56 wins and 119 points again? Probably not. I I can see them being in the 110 to 114 range in, in points and 52, 54 wins somewhere in there. But I, I do think they they are more beatable given the pieces they lost. But it, you're still going to have to bring your A game to beat them. So um, if you look at, and I'll, I'll see if I can do this like in real time here. Cause I just, just thought about it. I should have, I should have written this down. Um, but Colorado's over under win total or over under points is 111. Um, okay. So, I mean, that's right. Kind of about where you were saying, um, yeah. I, I think I would, I think I'd go under on that, which is actually minus 130. So Vegas is telling you that to, to go under as well. Uh, who do you have at number two? I have Nashville at number two. Wow. Okay. Explain yourself. So my number two, three, and four team, the the disparity between them is very little. Like they, I think two, three, and four could be very interchangeable, but I'm going with Nashville at two for the simple fact that they added Nino Niederreiter. I think Philip Tomasino, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to flourish on the second line with Johansson and Niederreiter. I do think adding Ryan McDonough and it looks, you know, from what we've seen in all indications point, he's going to be the second pairing defenseman. Matias Ekholm is going to be on the right side. You shore up the defense. You get UC Saros for a full season, hopefully fully healthy. I think between Kevin Lankinen and Connor Ingram, I think you, you have the backup situation at least worked out to where he's not going to have to start 67 games. The, the herd line is obviously as good as they've been. They're probably going to yep. we, we expect them to be better this year. The fourth line is really the only question mark on this team. And if you're looking at the fourth line of Cody Glass, 
and Ellie Tolvanen and then whoever you put on there, obviously that's going to change whether it's McCarron or Mark Jankowski or Kiefer Sherwood. It's going to have a different look depending on who that third, that third forward is. But I think that they've done enough to improve. Whereas I said, all the other teams in the central division have lost at least one or multiple key pieces from their team. The Predators didn't really lose anyone. They got better. The rest of the central division either stayed the same or got worse. So I was, I don't want to talk a ton about Nashville here. Cause I think you just did a great job of, of, laying out the case and we talk about Nashville every week on the show, but I think that's, I, I, I thought about putting him at two for about three minutes. And then, and then I just like, I, I felt like I was like, no, <laughs> I'm, am I being a Homer? Am I being, you know, my rose colored glasses or gold colored glasses or whatever it might be. Now the over under total for, for, for points for Nashville. And again, they're picked third by Vegas in the division. So it's not crazy to put him at two is 96 and a half. Minnesota, who is a pretty big gap by Vegas to finish number two at 101.5. I've got Minnesota at two, but I don't like Minnesota. I don't love Minnesota either. They lost Kevin Fiala basically because of the cap. Cam yeah. Talbot, Cam Talbot's gone. Those are two huge losses. And that's yeah. So 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 you're relying on Marc Andre Fleury, who almost like walked away from the game like a year ago or yeah. two years ago. And you don't have the backup guy that you used to have, although he could have been, he's, you know, he's basically worthy of a starter. You win 53 games. You depended a lot on very young talent. And I think they're going to depend again on a lot of very young talent. This is still a very good hockey team. I, I, I my problem though, Michael, is I can't, I don't trust Nashville yet to be a hundred point team finish second in the division, but the, but I don't like, I don't love Dallas. I don't love St. Louis. I don't love Winnipeg. I don't know who else to put there and the smart money's on Minnesota. So I don't know. G- give me your, do you have Minnesota at three? Yeah. So that's, that's a very all valid argument. So I have Nashville at two, St. Louis at three, Minnesota at four. I just have a hard time putting the wild above St. the Louis blues. at three. Okay. Yeah. I have a hard time putting the wild above the blues when the blues beat them head to head in the playoffs last year and, and eliminated them. And I, and I go back to, the wild lost Kevin Fiala. That's 35, 30, what, 33, 34 goals and 85 points. They lost Cam Talbot. That's 32 wins and 915 save percentage. Like he's not the best goalie in the world, but those are still pretty good numbers going against the central division for most of the season. The Blues, they only lost David per- David Perrin. That's 27 goals, 57 points. Like that's that's not you know an easy pill to swallow. But I, I feel like looking at the people that they've lost the wild are significantly worse than the, than the blues are. So I, I, that's why I went with St. Louis and you, I mean, you look, they still have Jordan. I don't know how you say his last name. Cairo. Bennington. Oh, okay. I was going to say Bennington, Bennington is, is sort of found refound himself a, a little yeah, bit. Bennington's well. kind of all over the place, but he has shown that more often than not, he is an above average goalie. I mean, Vladimir Tarasenko still, everyone's talking about him getting traded. He was done and he had an 80 something point season, 30 goals. Like I, I just think, St. Louis is one of those teams that they're always there. They always stick around somehow, some way they're always in contention. And I just feel like losing Kevin Fiala is an, is it just, I don't want to overstate how important he was to that team, but I think taking him away from the top six, you you've made their offense significantly worse. And if you have an offense that's worse and you take away the starting goaltender that put up 32 wins, like I, I just, I just feel like the blues have more to come at you within the wild do. So that's why I put the, the blues at three in, in Minnesota at four. Interesting. Cause I, I have, I have those same three teams as two through four. Yeah. And like um, I said, they're interchangeable. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah, yeah. if all three of them finished within like three points of each other. And and we could be talking about Minnesota to Nashville, three St. Louis four, Minnesota to St. Louis yeah. four, Nashville three, like two, three and four. I feel like you can, you can literally just move them up and down and it would be the same. So that there's a lot of stability with those three as well. There's new coaches in Dallas and Winnipeg, although they're just kind of trading coaches technically. Um, yeah. Winnipeg's total points over under 87 and a half, St. Louis 95 and a half, Dallas 95 and a half, Nashville 96 and a half, Minnesota 101.5 and a half. So Vegas clearly values Minnesota over all of them. And, and that's crazy because Nashville had 97 points last year, and that that was with I mean, you look at everything that they went through. They they were really bad down the, yeah. down the stretch. And you look at adding Niederreiter, adding McDonough, and, the, and Vegas predicting them to have less points. That's a little that's a little concerning to me. So so here's the thing: I would take the over ninety six and a half for Nashville, but I haven't finishing yeah. fourth. But I haven't finishing fourth. So I've got Colorado one, Minnesota two, St. Louis three, Nashville four, and but I think Nashville's better. So the question, yeah. it really does well, come one down. One through four, the central is is very deep one through four. So Well, and, those, and as you've already pointed out, like those three, 
those three are all very, very close. And I think Colorado is technically closer to those three than they were last year. I'm not suggesting that they're not going to win or whatever, but Colorado is not going to be as good as they were last year. Um, It doesn't mean they're still not going to have 110 points (laughs) like they could. Yeah. I'll, I'll say this: If Colorado plays the Lightning in the Stanley Cup and Stanley Cup final again, I think the Lightning will probably win this year because Colorado right. doesn't have the firepower they had last year. So Dallas, of course, changes coaches. Rick Bonus is now actually in Winnipeg. Um, I actually think Winnipeg is better than people think. I, that eighty-seven and a half points, I would take the over. I think Winnipeg is much more in this conversation than people think. They still have a really great nucleus and core of forwards that are really, really talented. Kyle Connor, a lot of big names. Um, the question is, does the sort of attitude of the new coach shaking it all up? I think he took the captain C away, right. From, from Blake Wheeler. And then they still have Connor Hallibuck as well. So like Hallibuck is still a Vesna candidate every single time. I think Winnipeg belongs in this conversation. The question is, does Dallas that, that is where I am, have a big question. I know Peter DeBoer, the new coach has done very well in year number one, but there's a lot of ifs (laughs) on this Dallas team. A lot of questions about age you got. I, I think there's some news trickling out, depending on when you're listening to this, about Jason Robertson and his holdout and contract situation. You know, Tyler Sagan, how healthy is he going to be? Supposedly he's back. Like, I, I, I'm just, I don't know. Dallas is such a s- smart, physical team. They've been good for years. They've owned the Predators, but I don't, to me, da- like, I'm just waiting for the other skate to drop is that the right phrase with dallas like i like winnipeg more than dallas actually so i would have i have winnipeg at five dallas at six uh but i also think one through six is or two through six is really close yeah and i mean as long as dallas has jamie ben and tyler sagan they're they're gonna be up there in that conversation just because of, of the name value of those guys bring but rope hints is, is a very good player as well um I know they lost Alex Radulov and he didn't really put up a lot of points last year, but for the last, you know, three or four years, he had been in their top six and he was someone that they really kind of depended on. I think, I think a notable loss for the stars that I, I don't think can be overlooked is John Klingberg. I mean, he granted he's not Roman Yossi level, but he was their top defenseman for a while. He's definitely a top four pairing defenseman um, 47 points. I, I think losing Klingberg and Radulov are, are two underrated things that we can talk about with the stars team. But I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a big believer in Peter DeBoer. He hasn't, he he's, he's like Peter Laviolette. He's good in short windows. And then once once he's yeah. hit that peak, that ceiling, like he's gone. And I think that's why he's continually, continuously a recycled head coach. I just, I'm not a big believer in what the stars are doing. I know they had 46 wins and 98 points last year. I would take the under on whatever they are now. Cause I think, I think this is the year that Winnipeg would, would pass them. Um, I agree. Like you I agree. Said, Winnipeg has a lot of offensive talent. And I, I just think that, yeah. I don't know, Dallas is on the downward trajectory and I could see them in a, in a rebuild, if not this year, sometime next year. And I think Winnipeg is kind of on the upward trajectory. Yeah. And they lost Braden Holtby. So they have no chance of winning a championship because you have to have a Braden to do that. Uh, Mason Marchman <laughs> added to the roster as well. I just like Winnipeg more. So my final order is Colorado one, Minnesota two, St. Louis three, Nashville four, Winnipeg five, Dallas six, Arizona seven, Chicago eight. That's my final prediction. And mine is Colorado one, Nashville two, St. Louis three, Minnesota four, Winnipeg five, Dallas six, Chicago seven, Arizona eight. There you have it. All right. When we come back, lineup discussions, decisions for John Hines, bold predictions, and we'll look ahead to the first weekend of the regular season right here on the gold standard. Gold Standard is a podcast about the Nashville Predators, hosted by the Nashville Scenes and the Nashville Post, Michael Gallagher, and yours truly. And it is brought to you by Jaspers. That's right. That's right. It is. Damn right. It's Jaspers. Has been since the beginning. Jaspers has been riding with us for, God, I don't know, three hockey. This is our third hockey season now. You can get a cocktail at the bar and, and, and just be like, obviously, as you would expect, Michael from the next evolution of the sports bar, they continue to evolve. No competitive rebuilds for Jaspers, just (laughs) constant progression moving forward at all times. One of the cleanest sports bars I've ever been into. Can't can't (laughs) underestimate that. That is something that I fully enjoyed when I first walked in that I think I even said it to my wife. I was like, wow, it like smells clean in here. Well, and it, it, listen, they have, you've added what I love about Jaspers is the number of epidemics they have been tackling as a, uh, like a fine dining establishment. Um, like happy hours that are like 75 cents off a beer. That's garbage. You know, Jasper's gives you a beer for $3 during Preds games. Like they've been tackling bad happy hours. 
the, you know, you go eat at a sports bar. Normally you get shitty food, not at Jasper's. You get great food by good chefs doing real cooking and in, in a real kitchen and delivering really good food. Um, parking in this country is just an atrocious epidemic, especially in Nashville. They've been delivering free parking since the beginning. Um, I, what else have they, what else have they been tackling? I feel like they've been tackling other things as, as well, but now we can add to the list, like clean floors and nice smells. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like if you go to places like that, like to, to sports bars or arcade bars or whatever you want to call them, like you're either getting like really good food and the rest of the experience sucks, or you're going there just so you can play, you know, ice hockey or whatever, or air hockey. And like, it's, you don't have to compromise at Jasper's. You get really good food. You get a really good experience. You don't have to pay for parking. I just, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't go. So it's funny you say that. Cause I, I have been to a couple of the, um, the, the establishments around town that have like all the games and stuff. And like you walk in and you think it's fun and cool, like right at first. And then you go like one of them is just always tourists or two of them is yeah. like, all they're just all tourists. And I'm like, I don't want to be here. This is loud and obnoxious. This is not my vibe. One of them that I, I kind of enjoy, but it's just, I know I'm going to reek of cigarette smoke. Like, exactly. cause it's, cause it's a local joint, but like, it's just, I'm just going to reek of cigarette smoke. So I just don't go very often, even though it's fun. And so if I want a good meal, that's not going to destroy my intestines. <laughs> I want a good quality meal, not garbage bar food. I want a good happy hour. They've got a patio. They've got a game room full of all kinds of cool stuff. That's free, by the way, not pay for parking, a grab and go market, pick yourself up some cheesecake on the way out. Like there's just nothing that they are constantly evolving. And uh, again, support local business buy local and go to Jasper's for Preds games. You can order a gold standard cocktail and, um, $10 smash burger, $3 beers, home and road games. Season's here, boys. Go to Jasper's, everybody. All right, let's get into the starting lineup for Nashville as we enter the season, start the season. We mentioned last week on the show, uh, I don't know, probably like 46 people that, that could play on the fourth line. Um, <laughs> it does feel like Cody Glass is going to be your fourth line centerman. Uh, yeah. he, he makes the roster. I don't, I, I don't know how I don't, I have not been watching the behind the glass thing from the NHL network. I need to go watch that. Uh, but I did see behind some the clips. glass with Cody glass. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I did see some clips of them that got distributed showing him like being told by David Poyle and John Hines that he made the roster and that he's going to go on the trip. So it does feel like he is locked in that, that, that centerman spot. And that's what I think every fan should want. Yeah. And, and he got pretty emotional about it. Like I thought it was a cool moment um I, so every now and then those documentary behind the scenes things can capture like a real human moment and i thought watching cody glass get be told that he made the team you could tell his career path being a high high level draft pick lots of potential traded ahl like he's just been through a lot for a kid of his age who's pretty young and still has lots of potential and is now looks like you're starting fourth line center for the national predators yeah and th those are the moments that i enjoy watching these kind of documentary behind the scenes type stuff is because we don't get to see that as reporters, we get to see a little bit more of that than probably fans do, but we don't get to see stuff like that where, you know, David Poyle and John Hines bring him into an office and, and tell him right. he's made the team. And and he teared up because he even said, David Poyle said, do you feel like you're playing good? And he was like, yeah, I've worked so hard over the summer to get there. And I think it's just kind of, it's, it's cool to see those moments, especially for Cody Glass, given, you know, I think it was what, six overall pick in the draft. You know, he just, it didn't work out in Vegas. He gets traded here, spent the first two games of the season, I believe, uh, with the Predators last year, John Hines sent him down. And then after he got sent down, someone asked John Hines what happened there. And he basically called Cody Glass out. He challenged him. He said, you know, the NHL is not the league where you learn to develop. It's the league you come where you already know how to play. And I think Cody Glass took that as a personal challenge and he worked on his, on his game. He had 50 something points, I think for, for the, the Admirals, he came up in the playoffs, played really well. And I think it's now, now we are kind of seeing Cody Glass, not that he wasn't before, but I think he's taking himself seriously and he's taking this seriously. And I think last year was kind of a wake up call for him. And I hate using that phrase because it's so cliche, but I do think it was, it was what he needed to, to kind of realize what he needed to do to become an NHL regular. Well, and if we see him continue to grow, it's just like another bullet point in the list of like what John Hines does really well. Right. Yeah. Like, and if you look at it, he's going to be playing the fourth line this year. The Predators don't view him as a fourth line player. Like they brought him over to be a top six forward. And I think that's where they want him to go. Starting out in the fourth line is what he's going to have to do and work his way up. But I, I think he's someone who two, three years, we could probably see in the top six somewhere. And, 
and again, like, I don't know if John Hines can win a cup. I don't know if he's good enough to maximize everybody's potential and turn into a championship caliber coach, but we know he can develop people. It's been his entire career doing that. And so if we continue to see that out of Cody glass, then we know his, his, his line mate, let's stay on the fourth line before we go defense goaltending and, and second line, because there is some questions there, but it looks like I'm assuming Ellie Tolvin and Cody glass, and then some combination. It does feel like it is Zach Sanford, Mark Jankowski, and and maybe even I guess we have to include the second line winger conversation here because Tomasino did not play against Burn. He he's kind of gone first line, second line, scratch <laughs> in the last couple of games. I saw him on Wednesday of last week practicing full go. So if there was an injury, it it happened since last Wednesday. Um, so I don't know how, how concerned are you about what's happening with Philip Tomasino? Is he in this conversation, fourth line, second line? Is it his job to lose at this on the second line? Like what, what do you make of what's happening with Tomasino? Well, if you ask the athletic, he's a fourth line winger. So we could, we could take them at their word with that. But I, I think, I think Tomasino is the second line forward. I, again, he could have gotten injured. We don't know. Uh, there's also a possibility he might just have COVID and they're just not telling people like putting that out there. Like that would make sense for someone to just be randomly taken out of the lineup with no explanation. Um, yeah. That's true. In the game against SC Baron, they put Cole Smith on that fourth line with Cody glass and, and Ellie Tolvin in. Um, but I, I think it's down to three people. I think it's down to Kiefer Sherwood who they had playing with Nino Niederreiter and Ryan Johansson in, in Tomasino spot. And I, I think he's someone that the Preds are probably a little bit higher on than most people just because he brings a different element. He's kind of like that little spark plug that you can go out there and, and do whatever you want. Um, brings a lot so, of brings a lot of speed to the top yeah, of that lineup. He brings speed, which is obviously getting him from Colorado was something that they were really good at last year. Uh, but I, I I don't think I think Cole Smith was just in the lineup because they needed to put a body in there. I think Kiefer Sherwood would probably be the leader for me right now. Um, I don't think you can rule out Michael McCarron just because of the 34 games he played here last year and he put up some points. He got into some fights. He did some some good things. Right. Um, and and I just I don't know. It, it's it's it kind of just depends on what you want that fourth line to do. If you want it to be goal scoring and you want it to be high energy, Kiefer Sherwood's probably your guy. If you want it to be a little bit more physical, McCarron's probably your guy. Could could you make the case that it is Samford, Jankowski, Sherwood, Tomasino for two spots? Those four for two spots. No, because I don't think Tomasino has to earn his spot. I think it's those three for one spot. Okay. So Sherwood, Jankowski, Samford. Yeah, I and think then, it's I think it's those three for to to determine who's going to play with Glass and Tolvin on the fourth line. I I think that's fair. I I agree with you that they like Sherwood more than anybody else thinks. Yeah, or, or at least maybe or at least maybe more than we thought coming into camp. I think Sherwood's probably the leader, and then I think it, you're splitting hairs between Jankowski and Sanford. If I if I had to pick between those two, I think Sanford probably fits a little bit more of the of the way the Predators want to play, but. Jankowski has plenty of NHL experience, so I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up getting that spot as well. Man, a, a line of Tolvin and Glass and Sherwood has some upside, man. It like does. That, that, that is a top line. I mean, that is a top flight draft pick potential centerman. That is a top flight draft pick potential winger and Tolvin in, and a guy with a bunch of speed. Now, if that's if you're playing against the smaller team that wants to play fast, then yeah, that makes that line make makes sense. If you're playing against a big physical bruising team, maybe that line doesn't make as much sense. Yeah, and I, I can see two of those three guys we talked about making the roster and then them just interchanging them to pay, depending on who they play. If you're playing a physical yeah. team, then you probably don't want Kiefer Sherwood in there because he's probably going to get thrown around a lot. If you're playing a team like the Avalanche, you probably want Sherwood in there because of the speed element he brings. Yeah, it's it, it, there is it, there is some intrigue, but I think it's been pretty limited to just the fourth line. I am curious yeah. to see what happens on the second line because they – they had Sherwood out there with Johansson and, and Nita Ryder, which very clearly is your left second line left winger and centerman right now. Uh, it's sort of who's going to play on the right with them. Um, and given third, that it's the Predators, I totally wouldn't be surprised if they went with a second line of Nita Ryder, Johansson, and Sherwood. And then they had Tomasino in the fourth line with Glass yeah. and Tolvin and just to just to screw with people because that's I'm, what <laughs> I'm with you, dude. I would that that's I would not be surprised, um, but but, I, but it's hard. It's I find it hard to believe that Tomasino has played his way out of the lineup. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, to me. but he Tomasino showed last year you can be productive on the fourth line. He yeah. had eleven goals, thirty-two points. He saw some power play time, which is where a lot of his points came from. But he showed that like you can still go out there and put up points on the fourth line. 
And I mean, he granted he had a handful of games with Ryan Johansson in the top six as well, but he was still very productive and he, he approached it the right way. He didn't take it as, Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, one of the top prospects I'm not playing in the top six, like screw this or whatever. He went out there and he showed throughout the course of the season that he could be an effective player in whatever role they gave him, which is why I think we're going to see him in the top six this year. I, I tend to agree with that. We shall see. Um, the lineup on the defense pairings for the, the game, the, the game against burn was uh, Yossi Carrier left, right uh, Ekholm and McDonough. And then it was Lausanne and Fabro. We, we sort of know now that Ekholm and actually, you know, if you listen to last week's episode, he kind of talked about this playing on the right side with McDonough on the left. And that just being like as dependable a lockdown defensive pairing as you can have in the NHL playing against the top line of the other team. The yeah. question is who plays with Yossi. And I, I, I've seen Fabro up there. Um, it feels like it's just Fabro or Carrier. What do you want to see on the top? The, the, I guess it's not technically the top pairing. It's the offensive pairing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think the, the lineup we saw is what they're going to roll with. I think it's going to be Carrier and Yossi and, and Fabro and Lozon because the, the way I look at it, if you're trying to max one defensively, I think Alex Carrier is, is far better than, than Dante Fabro, just from a defensive standpoint. Offensively, I would give Fabro the edge uh, by a hair, but I think Carrier has the, the potential and the talent to be a better offensive defenseman. But when you have someone, and, and Ekholm talked about this last week, he never knew where P.K. Subban was going to be because he was such an offensive player. You could say the same thing about Roman Yossi. And I think if, if you're going to have Roman Yossi, how many times have we seen him you know, take over the puck on the rush and he's up at the other at the other net? If there's a turnover and there's an automated rush going back the other way, I would be more, I would have more confidence in Alex Carrier defending a two-man run, two-on-one than I would Dante Fabro. So I, I just so, think for that reason alone, I think that's why Carrier should be up there with the OC. And, you, and with Lozon, Lozon's not an offensive guy. He's kind of your traditional stay-at-home defenseman. And I think you need Fabro on that line, on that pairing to kind of balance out and give a little bit of, off, a little bit of offense as well. Well, and, and we can, I'll ask you about who you think is going to be on the bench, but it's, it seems like whoever's out with Samford and Jankowski on the center and, and Sherwood and that group on the top and the offense, yeah. but it does feel like, you know, Borvietsky, Lausanne, Fabro going to rotate probably. I Listen, I agree with you. I think Carrier is the far more dependable player in my head. My, my issue is that I feel like Carrier and Yossi are too similar in terms of skill set and that they both enjoy doing and, and are productive at doing some of the same things. And can you have a defense pairing that is a top line pairing where you've got both guys that can just scream their way into the zone with the puck and I on offense. And I don't, how, you know, are they going to only play with the herd line then because you need some forwards that play 200 feet? Like, I don't know. I, I my, that's my only question about that. Cause I agree with you that Carrier is the better player than Fabro. I, I, I've yeah. always, I've, I've always agreed with that. I don't think both, I don't think both Carrier and Fabro are going to be on this team next year. So I think whoever the predators are leaning towards keeping is probably who you're going to see working with Roman Yossi. That's just, that's just I'm not reporting anything. That's just my inside opinion. That makes I, sense. I just, I just, that's kind of how I feel about it. And in, in my opinion, I, I think Fabro is probably the odd man out just because if you're pairing him with Lozon, Borvietsky is more physical than Fabro is. So if you're playing those teams like the Ducks or the Stars, people that like to just beat the hell out of you, I would feel better about Lozon and Borvietsky as my third pairing than Lozon and Fabro just because of the physicality that the Borvietsky brings. So I, and, and again, I, and sorry, JJ, like we're not trying to, to piss off any Dante Fabro fans out there. It's just if he was going to be a top four defenseman by now, I feel like he would have done it because he's been in this system for three years. I hear just, you, dude. I hear you. But Kevin Fiala just tied Paul Correa's single season record in Minnesota with 85 points. Yeah, but we're talking <laughs> like about three, this, like three years later. You know, we're talking about defensemen and forwards. This franchise, know, has, this franchise has never had an issue developing top flight defensemen. They have struggled to develop elite forwards. So I feel like that's apples to oranges. OK, Freddie Goudreau scoring 25 goals somewhere else after he develops like. I, I, yeah, but I, you I, expect that to happen. That's what happens with the Predators. They get these <laughs> players that are really good, that they have the potential and they just for whatever reason doesn't happen here. They go to other teams and they get the coaching that helps them and they take off and they become good. Well, th this is th so this transitions us perfectly into the bold predictions. Now, before we do that, because I've got a predictions about about Heinz in this particular team. But uh, <laughs> who, who's on the bench here? Who, who are the the there's not many guys that can be on the bench on the active roster. Yeah. So we're talking about three guys. I think, I think it's Sanford and Borvietsky 
and Sherwood. With, Jan- no. with Jankowski in the lineup or? Sorry, no, I thought. Sure, no. Sherwood in the lineup, yeah. Let me let me restart that. Sherwood on in the on the fourth line, and then the bench is Stanford and Jankowski, your your two extra forwards, and then um Borvietsky. Yep, I think that's right. Um, and I think that's a heck of a team. I think it's way better than they started the season last year with. So oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, when you look at that roster and you look at how the, the top started, they just got a lot of fresh young blood at the bottom half of the roster. And I think that's a good thing for the team. Uh, by the way, you mentioned some of those big physical teams from the other division. We didn't touch on the other division, but Edmonton is your Vegas odds on favor to win. They are number two in the Western Conference, according to the Vegas odds. Calgary is number two in that division, number three in the Western Conference. Then it goes Minnesota at fourth. And then Vegas and the Kings are picked to finish ahead of Nashville, but according to Vegas, ahead of Nashville and third and fourth place in the Western and the Pacific division, excuse me. Uh, and so Nashville at 1600 to win the Western conference, they are seventh in the Western conference and they are 15th overall at plus 3,500 to win the Stanley cup. So they are basically, you know, <laughs> third in the division, but dead middle in the Western conference, dead middle in the NHL, and I think this leads us into our, our predictions, which is... I think Vegas is overlooking Nashville a little bit. I think they are. My bold prediction is that David Poyle does nothing. My, my big prediction is that this team is good enough with John Hines developing more young pieces, whether that's Sherwood or Glass or Tolvanen or Tomasino or whatever, and they have enough veteran presence that have sort of figured out how to play together I don't think all those numbers are going to be replicated. And again, we'll have a long conversation with Adam Bingen next week on the show where we do a big deep dive into the statistics about can Roman Yossi replicate? Can Matt Duchesne and Johansson and Forsberg replicate? I think they can be 85, 90% of their production from last year. And that to me is good enough for this team to be very good. I think the biggest thing about this team is Ryan McDonough. (laughs) I think that's the thing that makes me feel better about this. And so my two bold predictions are that that David Poyle does absolutely nothing the entire season and that this team is good enough to challenge for that second second place finish in the division. My bold prediction on the other side of the spectrum is they're trading UC Soros. That 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 all of this that everything I just said is not true, that everything I think about this team is not true, that everything we think about these players they regress, you know, disproportionately back to the mean. And by by things go poorly, none of the young players develop, the stars don't produce, and UC Soros is gone midseason. So that, they're trading Soros be because they're because they're bad. Is that what you're saying? It's it's not, full it's it's full rebuild mode. So it's like, not because Askarov goes and tears up the AHL and, no. and everyone's like, bring him up to the NHL. No, I, I am going full, full doom and gloom, doom scrolling, just like like the I'm, I'm a Mets fan and we, we were in first place like 157 <laughs> days. Okay. I didn't watch any of it because I knew it was going to happen. I've seen the end of the story. And so I am a like natural pessimist about my teams. I've been a Mets fan and a Preds fan for too long. <laughs> and so I've seen the story. So I'm preparing myself for them to be so bad that they're trading UC Soros at the deadline uh, yes, I realize this is irrational. And oh, by the way, we didn't talk about this on our on our starting lineup, but it does feel like Kevin Lankinen is going to be the backup goaltender um, by all accounts. So that 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 position battle also seems like it's been wrapped up yeah. as well. I, I don't foresee them being as bad that that bad that they trade Saros, but it is interesting if that does happen because if you trade Saros, then is is Lankinen your starter? Is Ingram still around? Do you give him starters minutes? Like do you call up Askarov and give him some? Some playing time in the NHL, that, that's very interesting to, if that were to unfold that way, that would be very interesting he, to watch. He is by far the biggest trade chip. And if you are going to have to start a rebuild, should things go terribly wrong, I'm not predicting that. You're not predicting that. I'm just saying we're in, we're in the stupid bold prediction section here. If <laughs> things go awry real bad, real fast, uh, Fabro and Soros are the two pieces that get the most back in terms of the rebuild where, and, and you feel like you have enough pieces that you don't hurt your team long-term by getting rid of them because you have a scare off and you have all the other defensemen, yeah. uh, but, but they are, they are 1 million percent in a win now mode. There's no question about it. Yeah. So I, I have four bold predictions. Oh, one of them is the opposite of, of one of yours. And I just want to point out on, on it's all your fault uh, yesterday, Jeremy Kegover. He, he, one of his bold predictions was that Nashville hosting the 2023 draft, 
would somehow some way make a splashy trade and do something to where they have a premium pick in the first round of the draft. That is something that is interesting. I could totally see that happening because David Boyle, uh, we all kind of feel like the clock's kind of running on David Boyle. He's got you do that? four years how, left. How do you do that? Do what? Do, how do you get a top five pick? Do you see Soros? Yeah. I mean, that's I'm not, the, that's I'm not, the only I'm way not, it's going to happen. I'm not hundred percent ruling that out. I, I don't think it will happen, but I'm not ruling. I'm not ruling it out, but that would be interesting to see if, or I mean, who knows? I was, I was listening to Gover on the show, by the way, and that's where we came up with our bold prediction segment on the show. So hat tip to Gover. I mean, and who knows? Maybe Matt Duchesne goes out and puts up 50 goals this year. And then you have teams begging you to, to, to trade that Duchesne. who knows, but you're, but I, then you're not good enough to keep him and try to win with him though. I don't know. I, Nashville's hosting the draft. So David Poyle, yeah. you're going to need more of a wow factor than if you're, if you're drafting 27th overall, <laughs> not, not if you played in the Western conference finals, you don't. <laughs> yeah. So I, I could, I could right, totally see something like that happening. My bold predictions. All right. All right. I got? think by, I think by the trade deadline, David Poyle will trade for another, an elite score, a top six score, who that is, who he sends away, what picks players that involves. I don't know. I just feel like if Nashville, if the Predators are a contender by the trade deadline, and I don't mean like, oh, they might make a wild card. I mean, if they are firmly in second or th- first, second or third place, and the, and it looks like they could be, they can make some noise in the playoffs. I think David Poyle goes out and he goes and he gives up whatever he needs to, to, to go and get that elite score. Do you like that move though? At that point, like, is it depends it a pure, on who it is. is if, it you're, a pure if you're rental, if you're bringing back someone like Kyle Connor or, you know. Ooh reach for the stars, Connor McDavid or someone like that. If you're bringing back a name like that, then, then yeah, I like the going for it move, depending on who it costs you. If it costs you anyone in the organization, aside from Askarov, then I'm all for it. I just don't think you can trade Askarov right now, given what, right. what he's shown. Um, okay. That's, so that's number one. Number one. Okay. Yeah. Number two, I think Dante Fabro will be traded by the trade deadline and he will be on a different roster. Yeah. That's you something that, we've said been, that before. Yeah. Something we've been talking about for a while. I do think it'll happen. Number three, I think Philip Forsberg will break Matt Duchesne's franchise goal record this year. I like that. I like that one a lot. I That's think he's good. highly That's motivated, good. and I think he's the I think he's the type of player that hears people saying, "Oh, he got his contract, he got his money, he cashed in, he's good." I think he's the person that gets pissed off by people saying that he's going to go out and prove them wrong. And my final one, and this contradicts your your last prediction. I think I think UC Saros wins the Vezina Trophy this year. Oh, that is bold. Yes, although not that's there's no. There is nothing irrational about any of that because it's he's bold, in, but it's not crazy. No, he's been a heart. He's been a top. What is he finished like seventh in the heart voting one year? Like, yeah, he was. He, he finished third in the or third in in Vezina voting last year. He was. He just missed the cut the year before that, and that was only because he really came on at the second half of the season. I think he's been flirting with it for the last two, two years, and I think the Predators finally have a team, a solid team defensively and offensively, in front of him. That some of those one goal games that he lost last year, he'll start winning some of those. I, I don't like how optimistic you're making me feel about all of this. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Uh, I'm not comfortable in this state. Uh, I don't like I, it either, either because usually when I start saying things are going good and people start believing me, and then when they go bad, it's my fault. Uh, it's, it is all your fault. Check it out every Monday um, from the scene and the post. Also, make sure you check out Weiss Liquors, of course. Support local businesses. Go check out Weiss Liquors. Uber Eats, search Weiss Liquors, have the booze delivered right to your house. Tons of great bourbons on there. Lots of wine on there as well. You don't have to go anywhere. To just have it come right to your house. Uh, again, locally owned and operated for almost 100 years here in Nashville. Family owned. So support some local businesses, Jaspers and Weiss Liquors. Make sure you do that. Um, and make sure you listen to the, you know, listen to It's All Your Fault. Make sure you read the Nashville scene, the Nashville post. Make sure you follow Michael Gallagher on Twitter. All that great stuff. All of which are local businesses here in nashville providing content and services for you nashvillians who live here uh and obviously love the predators so tell somebody when they complain about big corporate interests and lack of predators coverage that we got you covered man we got you covered right here um so so (laughs) that's a lot of optimism and next week on the show um and we'll have adam vingan sort of diving in to do like a a statistical analysis from sport logic about a lot of these individual players so we didn't do a lot of player predictions here but your vesna trophy one is is i don't think there's anything wrong with that so if you're feeling too optimistic what you're saying is tune in next week and adam will bring you back down to earth (laughs) yeah yes there's no question but here's what i think here's what i think could happen because again um we're going to record that episode prior to the games What's going to happen is they're going to go to Prague, which 
I'm, I'm already so jealous of all the people that work. Like if you're going to work for the Preds, I, no disrespect. I would never, ever want to work for a sports team, a professional sports team, any, anywhere, but man, you see a trip like that and you just go, yeah. damn it. Like maybe I should just join the, the other side and, 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 you know, as Jim Wyatt likes to say, cross the street and go, and go, and go work for the other guy, because I'm seeing pictures of like Prague and like, I was talking, I was texting C Mace and he's drinking like 50 ounce beers with Willie Donick. And I'm like, you, Jack they're wagon. living their best life right now you jack wagons <laughs> over there in the you know Prague. what kind of place is Prague? uh well what's going to happen those are going to lose both games and it's going to be like four one and like five to two and we're going <laughs> to when you when you listen to it's all your fault on monday it's going to be the sky is falling trade uc yeah. Saros, trade dante fabro all that optimism will disappear in one weekend Nino need a riders a bus why'd they sign them <laughs> ryan mcdonough was on the ice for four goals <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's going to be fun though. And you get some afternoon hockey. So if you want to go to Jasper's and watch games at like one o'clock in the afternoon, you know, the kids can watch it. They don't have to stay up late to watch those games. You can get some, uh, some beers and some burgers and stuff over at Jasper's. You can order booze to your house after you're done, like all kinds of good stuff uh, this weekend. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. a little, little hockey to break up your football weekend. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Titans any, are on any, the road so I can focus on the predators and, and, and give some actual in-depth analysis on Monday morning. Yeah, there you go. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Listen, the season's here. Let's enjoy the ride. It is a very long, long, long grind, but this team is faster. They are more talented, more skilled, more developed, deeper than they were last year. I agree with Adam that the fan base is disillusioned and they need to do something to bring people back to the building because they got smoked last year. First time ever swept it or first time in a while swept in the playoffs. They haven't won a playoff series in four years. Something has to give. They either need to be significantly better and make a push, and all these guys need to develop and fit together, or we're going to be talking about a very different organization at this time next year, right? Yeah, and I think the thing with the roster is, I I can see it being really good and being and it could being a good a good enough roster to compete. I can also see it going sideways. I think the good thing with the roster, what I'm trying to say is, it's good enough to compete, but also if you do have to do do have to go with a full on rebuild, you have enough pieces that you could jumpstart that pretty quickly. So I yep. think it's it's one of those weird things where if you start selling off pieces because you're bad, like you're not going to be in a terrible situation if you have to do a rebuild. So no, and then like you said, if you're acquiring a bunch of draft capital, having four picks in next year's first round draft in Nashville is not a bad strategy. If you're going to do the rebuild thing, um, again, I m- the problem is is the middle ground. That's the problem is you can't have another year of 96 points finishing fourth in the division going out in the first round, because while that will be fun and successful, technically, that is not how I would define success. They need to win a playoff series. They need to probably finish in in second or third. Like I need to see growth and actual progress to say that this was a successful season because you either need to be really, really bad like Arizona and Chicago to try to truly rebuild, or you've got to compete with Colorado. The middle ground is the worst place to be. And they've been, they've been there for a long time. So, and I I did a poll on on my Twitter account. I think it was before last season. And I asked if the Preds quote unquote took a knee and were really bad and missed the playoffs in 2021, but it was because they were really good and made the playoffs in 2022. And that year was a developmental year for a lot of the players. Would you be okay with that? And I think like 65, 70% of everyone that voted said yes. Hmm. Well, last year was supposed okay. to be the first that was supposed to be the first year of the quote unquote competitive rebuild. And they made the playoffs. I think I think continued growth and success of, of what they're trying to do is like you said, winning a playoff series. If you if your first year of the competitive rebuild, you make the playoffs, year two, you win a playoff series, you've got to be feeling optimistic heading into year three, thinking you can at least compete for to get to a conference final. I agree. I agree. You just don't want to be stuck in the middle. I can't. It's fun that it's here. It's exciting. It's going to be a great year. Uh, let's just stay optimistic for now. Um, go Mets, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um, you said stay optimistic. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I know. Uh, it's hard, man. It's hard for uh, look the Tennessee Vol. I got a Tennessee alumni who's a Mets fan and a Preds fan. Like I have, I've had a lot of trauma the last fifteen or twenty years. I need something to go right. Um, so there we go. Pred season is here. Uh, Adam and I will be back on the gold standard feed next week for like a stat driven preview. Again, I'm out of town next week on, on the stupid fall break thing, but looking forward to some time off uh, recharging the batteries before football season and, and hockey season gets fully forced or fully uh, ready to go. Uh, you'll be back on. It's all your fault on Monday. Welcome to the crew. Jeremy K. Gover, 
Uh, Adam Vingan's going to be back in, in, a, in a slightly different role as well. Uh, make sure you pay for good journalism. Go to the Nashville Post, the Nashville Scene. Make sure you're subscribing to all the shows at 440 Sports. Uh, make sure you go to Jasper's. Make sure you go to Weiss Liquors as well. Uh, where can people find you, Michael? You can find me on the Nashville Post and the Nashville Scene. And you can also get to me on Twitter at MGSports underscore. There you have it. Thank you guys all for listening. Hockey is back, folks. Have a great weekend. Enjoy international hockey from Prague. For Michael Gallagher, my name's Braden Gall. Thanks for listening. This has been the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.